This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Penn Greenbaum and Mark L. Susser. For a full year, we're looking at the life teachings and works of Jesus from the four Gospels, put together in one chronological flow. And Ben, right now, the chronological flow is leading us again into the Gospel of Luke for several weeks in a row here. We're in Luke at some passages that are really only in Luke for the most part. And Luke chapter 14 has some some things that really deal with the topic of pride and humility. This whole idea of humility is a, an interesting one because, you know, I'm pretty proud of how humble I am, by the way. I don't, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, it, it can be a thing that we aim for, but can get kind of puffed up even in the, in the pursuit of, of humility in our lives. And I, I don't know that it, that we spend a lot of time in the church pressing into the topic of humility. Do you, do you remember like a lot of that in your experience or even in your leadership where that becomes a, a thrust of the ministry or the, a topic that is really being talked about? No, in, in small groups yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, I know that there was a, you know, there was a group of guys that I used to meet with and, uh, a weekly and a large part of our of our conversation with one another as we confess sin to one another as we uh, spoke the the grace and forgiveness of of God into one another's lives one of the the big topics of conversation that ultim- often came up was the pride that we wrestled with our need for humility um how God was nurturing that humility uh, in our life uh but but learning to recognize where pride exist uh, in our lives and i think from a from a christ follower standpoint um our our failure to failure to wrestle uh with our own pride is often what keeps us from uh, living in humility under the authority of christ living in humility under the love of christ because we we want things the way we want them yeah, we do. I, I know that pride can be the the real tripwire for a number of us in in life and in my own life as well. I I recently had a phone conversation with my sister in law Martha, who has been writing the poems for the the daily devotions and and poems that are part of this year long study, and. And we'd been through some successful days here in the life of our church here in Fishers, Indiana. And she kind of she kind of gave me a warning, you know, to be aware of the uh, the spiritual Achilles heel, perhaps mm-hmm. that in my own life. And she named off a, a number of things that it could be, and one of those was pride. And to have someone in my life like you're speaking about that's willing to be honest with me because there's there's a truth that Satan's aware of our weakness. And I think pride can be a it can be a real thing, especially for church leaders, for pastors, for people who stand up on a stage and preach week in and week out and people look at you and, and listen to you. It it can be a a dangerous 
thing that can that can take us down. So I took that as a good warning for my sister in law, and as something that that needs to be looked at in all of our lives. So Jesus is is talking here about these topics in a number of ways in these passages here in Luke fourteen, and we begin with this in verse one. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. The fact that Luke had the need to to identify him as a prominent Pharisee, as opposed to a non-prominent Pharisee, is kind of interesting to me. That he he was somebody who was somebody. He was the, the, the person who was there. He probably had his best best dinner plates out and you know by the way we when Lisa and I got married almost 39 years ago we got a full set of china that we were given from the people who attended the wedding there were lots of people that attended our wedding her dad was a pastor of a pretty good sized church and we had a lot of people attend our wedding and we had this with this full set of china and and I I told her last night we we were thinking about it and I and I think we've actually moved that China more times than we've used it in our lives. I think we've moved it five times from the day we got married to today and where we went to seminary and different churches. And here we are. Uh, I don't, I don't think we've even used it that many times. So I, I don't know what that means about our culture or about our times. We've, you know, we use our finest paper plates sometimes when we entertain, but life's changed a lot. Right. And we, and we don't have to have fancy flatware out in order to see ourselves as prominent people, as important people, do we? No, no, we don't. It's funny that you mentioned the China because Sherry and I have been married for 23 years. We've got beautiful set of China that we, that we, uh, you know, two got for our, our wedding. And, uh, for, for most of our marriage, it, it stayed at my mother-in-law's house because we got married and then moved to Dallas, Texas. And so we left all the China behind at my mother-in-law's in one of her spare rooms. And then that's we, a brilliant thing. You don't have to move it. Yeah, that's right. And then we came back to Indiana and, uh, when you know, it stayed at my mother-in-law's house boxed up in a spare bedroom. And it wasn't until we moved to our current house, uh, my mom had come to visit and we had gotten a china cabinet. It was a my grand my great grandmother's china cabinet that we have now. And uh, my mom actually helped us unload our china, which we have never served a single meal on, um, because we too, you know, we we do we yeah we we too are are big on the paper plates or just your normal flatware or or whatever. So uh, so yeah, we should probably bust out. I think it's Linux china. I mean, we should probably bust it out and. And use it at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea. Like, are we worried about breaking something that we'll never use? <laughs> or, or, or whatever. <laughs> so, But yet we have other ways in our world that we can, we show that we are prominent or we're important. And with with our possessions, with our, our status and in a variety of ways, this guy was prominent, a prominent Pharisee. And it said Jesus was being carefully watched. So they brought him in, not to hang out with him, but to put a magnifying glass on him and see what Jesus was going to do. Luke 14, verse 2, 
There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, there's been a number of times when Jesus has healed on the Sabbath and he's gotten in trouble from these guys. So this time, before acting, he puts it on them. He puts it on them to say, no, it's not lawful. I don't know if Jesus would have then not healed the person or he would have said, you're wrong, and he would have healed the person. We don't really know, but he he puts it on them to answer the question, verse 4, but they remained silent. They didn't want to break the law, but they didn't want to break this guy's heart. So taking hold of the man, Jesus healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? I think it's really funny that he puts a, a child and an ox in the same story. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing if your kid falls down the well, it's another thing if your, your cow does or your dog or, or, or whatever else, but but either way, they're, they're going to pull that animal out of the well and on the Sabbath day and do work. They're not going to let their child die or their ox die. They're going to do work on that day. And again, they were silent. They had nothing to say about the whole deal. So the party's going on. And in verse 7, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. He told them this parable. Now, I wonder how we can relate to this in our own lives of getting the place of honor. It might not be at a formal dining event where the china is out, but there's a lot of times in our lives that we like to nudge up to the right person or drop a name of somebody we we know or have encountered that we like to put ourselves at a place of honor, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, I don't know. I, you know, for me, um, one of the things that I, I, I don't know, I guess I recognize when I'm conscious of when people attempt to grab hold of that place of honor. And the last thing I think oftentimes I want is to hold a place of honor. And so I'll find myself oftentimes drifting to, to the background, you know? Um, so I don't see myself personally, like going after that place of honor. That being said, it's, it's always amazing to me how, how God reveals, uh, the pride that's existent within us. Because, um, I remember probably about 15 years ago in ministry, somebody else got credit for something that I did. And it was something that it was a, a long endeavor full of much uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was just a real, it was, it was three months of just pure struggle to accomplish uh, what got accomplished. And then somebody else wound up with all the recognition, all the pats on the back. And I remember sitting in the pew one Sunday, just my head exploding, my heart burning, wanting to be like, I did all of this. What are you talking? And, and in that moment, 
It was like God, you know, took the proverbial baseball bat and hit me upside the head and said, "Who? what does it matter if you get credit for it or not? Is this not about my kingdom? This isn't about you, Greenbaum. It's about my kingdom, about my will being accomplished. So who cares uh, about the credit? And it was one of those moments, which there have been sadly many uh, over the years, where God has confronted uh, the pride within me. Um, in that moment, wanting recognition uh, for something that uh, at the end of the day, who cares? A, a good was accomplished. And so who cares who gets the credit? All glory to God. All glory to God. But it's not an easy path to that glory to God because we do tend to think of ourselves first. Absolutely. And it, it's a natural thing for us to want to get credit for the things we've done or the credit for the things we haven't done. Right. I mean, I don't know right. what happened to the other person when they got the credit for it. If they right away said, no, 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 no. You know, it's this, it wasn't me. Uh, probably not because the way you're telling the story, but it's a, a, a perhaps a, I mean, Jesus, when, when Jesus encountered people, he wasn't dealing with things that are different from us. Right. The culture was different. The context was different. The times were different, but the same basic human desires and longings and needs and neediness and everything else are exactly the same as today. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. You know, it's like I had a, a seminary prof one time. Somebody in class asked him, you know, Dr. Bingham, when did things get bad? And uh, Bingham had a very dry sense of humor, and he just said, in the garden. <laughs> yeah, no doubt things about it. Things got bad yeah, the in first the garden. Was it. Right, right. So all the things that we wrestle with today, there again, there's nothing new under the sun. So Jesus tells this parable, and it's in Luke 14, 8. And there's two parts of it in verse 8 and then in verse 12. Verse 8 is when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. And in verse 12, when you give a luncheon or dinner. So from both the perspective of the guest and the host. Verse 12, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't just invite your friends, your neighbors, your buddies. You know, Go invite people who who might not ever get invited to a party. He's, he's really talking here, I think, about our, our own hearts. And if, and if we only go somewhere and seek out the place of honor and want to be around the right people, because that, that, that reveals something in us that's all about ourselves. And this is the season, right, when there's so many of those gatherings that we have, there's graduation parties, there's weddings, there's all, there's all these kind of gatherings that we get, that we get invited to, or that we are throwing parties for this time of year, depending on your, your place in life. And there can be a tendency to receive an invitation and to say, do I want to go to this one or not? Is this going to do me any good to show up at this event or not? And, and um, there can be a tendency to think like that. And then to even have the, the question like, okay, there's a wedding and there's going to be a reception afterwards, a meal afterwards. I wonder where they'll place me. Because, you know, a lot of times they, they put out, they tell you what table to sit at. I wonder if I'll be sitting next to the important people or the my friends or the cool people. Or will I be off in the corner by some strangers I don't even know? I, I think Jesus is really speaking to something here that's a common human experience that we've, that we've just talked about and said, when you get invited or when you're doing the inviting, stop thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. 
that's uh, that's not that's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So he goes on with another parable. He's got all these stories, and these are back to backers here, and it's again another meal oriented one. It's in verse 15, Luke 14, 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. That sounded pretty spiritual. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. And they all like began to make excuses. We're good at excuses. We're good at coming up with the reasons we just can't. Instead of saying, I don't want to, we, we create reasons why we, we can't. And so some excuses are listed here. This one guy bought a field and this other guy bought some oxen and another guy uh, just got married. And so there's reasons they, they can't come to this great big banquet. That's, that's going to be an important banquet. As we, as we take a, that and that, a look at that verse and lay those on top of our own lives about it making excuses, what are some of the parallels that we have in, the, in this modern world for being a follower of Jesus when making excuses is all too easy and removes us perhaps from this this banquet life that Christ has called us to this excuse life. Get anything for me on that one to help me walk through this? Yeah, I can remember uh, myself uh, as a young uh, follower or, or believer in Christ, and the the first few years after I accepted Christ and, and received Him, continued to struggle, continued to live uh, ultimately as I wanted to, and I had a, a dear friend of mine who. Uh, was a Christ follower, and she came to me one time. We we worked together for a little while um, at this restaurant that I was at, and we were sitting together eating lunch uh, one day on break. And she said, "Ben, when are you going to just give your life to Jesus?" And I was like, "Well, as I get older, I'll, I'll give more of myself to Christ." Uh, the idea that I was still in my youth, so uh, in essence, in my own mind at the time, it was it was party time, you know. It was to to live the the college life as I had envisioned it, and Jesus wasn't a part of that vision. And so the and so we see that uh, oftentimes when you, you talk to to younger uh, Christ followers or self proclaimed Christ followers and see them diverge uh, from Jesus. The idea is, well, as I get older and I, I get married and I have kids, as I settle down, I'll settle on Jesus. Ultimately, there's that mentality, and on the flip side. You also see uh, uh, among our, our more mature uh, followers of Christ, and I, and I mean that from an, from an age uh, standpoint, not necessarily a spiritual maturity standpoint, but the idea that as I get older, uh, my life of service um, begins to diminish. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, my, I don't have kids that are in children's ministry or youth ministry anymore. Why, why, should, I, why should I serve there? Why should I volunteer there? Um, and so I think we, we see that on, you know, uh, through different uh, periods of life, even, you know, in our, our uh, 
in, in our years with kids at home, the things that we can d- get distracted with, uh, the things that we can give ourselves to is we're, we're seemingly uh, running uh, every which way, getting kids to, to school, to sports, to extracurriculars, all those things. And we use those as excuses not to live fully uh, into our life uh, with Jesus. And so rather than uh, taking and accepting the invitation to the life that, that Christ desires for us, the life that Christ has called us to, um, we have a, a tendency to find excuses for why we can't say yes. And it's, it's one thing, don't misread me, it's one thing to have somebody ask us or invite us to, to serve in a particular capacity that we have no calling for and, and saying no. I think there are those people that honestly, they can't say no to anything. They say yes to everything. They wind up burning themselves out because they're motivated more by guilt uh, than Jesus. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about uh, those who have a specific calling or gifting towards something, but refuse to live into it um, because they're going to live the life that they want. Yeah. Sometimes when people are younger, they say, I don't have time. And when they're a little older, they say, I put in my time. That's right. Yeah, and that's, that's a good way different to put it. Than, than saying, well, I'm not called to this particular thing. Let me pray and seek what God has called me to and, and live into that. So, so Jesus responds in, in both these parables. I want to maybe wrap it up looking at this. We're in the parable of the wedding feast, which was up in verse 7 through 14, and the parable of the great banquet, 15 through 23. We're in Luke 14. And both of them are very similar. In the wedding feast, Luke, Luke 14, 12, Jesus said, when you give a luncheon or dinner, when you, you're hosting it, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then down in the next parable, the parable of the great banquet, when people made all these excuses, in verse 21, the servant came back and reported these excuses to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. In both of these situations, Jesus turns the attention away from those of us who might think that we deserve to be part of God's banquet, invited to the luncheon, invited to be with him. And he turns the attention away to those of us who don't feel like we're worthy the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, people that he's been already been talking about that the society might have said they, they've gotten what they deserved in life. They just get up and make something of, of their lives. And, and I find it interesting that Jesus turns the attention away from those 
especially in this situation, they were picking their place of honor. It was a prominent Pharisee. They, they were all that, you know, in a bag of chips to people who probably wouldn't even get invited to a party. And I, I wonder, like, thinking about ministry today, ministry in the, in the world today, what it means for us to invite into the ministry with a special heart those who would feel unqualified, even unable to be part of it. Yeah, you know what's sad is that the church has often cut against what Christ is calling us to here. You know, in the mid, in the 80s, as a part of the church growth movement, a lot of churches adopted what was called the homogeneous unit principle, or HUP. And the idea was that uh, people um, like to be with people who are ultimately like themselves. And birds of a feather. Yes. And so the idea was that they were, churches were going to build around particular demographics as a, mean to, as a means to, in their mind, share the gospel and enlarge the church. And so everything from the aesthetic to the church to the, ministry, to the, to the message being uh, proclaimed um, were, were geared oftentimes toward, you know, 30-something-year-olds with, with families. And typically, messages and the aesthetic of the church were geared toward the husbands of those families as a means to get the family uh, through the door. And so the church, sadly, has oftentimes not uh, imaged what Christ has called us to here, that the gospel is supposed to be indiscriminately proclaimed. We're supposed to go to all uh, people, uh, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of nationality, uh, men, women, young, old. Uh, the gospel is supposed to go out uh, to all, poor, rich, whoever it might be. And so I see Christ speaking into this truth here uh, through the parable of the great, of the great banquet. Yeah, the, I, I think it's what you're speaking about still exists today. Some have said that the American church is really good at reaching the middle class, but not real great at reaching the very poor or even the very wealthy, mm-hmm. that we still like sure. to be around birds of the same feather. And it's this call of Christ is to take the gospel to everyone, everyone within our reach. A lot of things to think about here today as we, we do that. Uh, wrap us up and take us out of here. I think just live into Jesus' call. Go uh, to all nations, to all people. Um, let us not think uh, more highly of ourselves as we should, but seek to uh, humbly live um, in service to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well said. Next time, we'll take a look at a couple more parables. Jesus is doing a lot of parable teaching in this section of the Gospels. Folks, if you want to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or our church app, and click on the Life of Jesus link. That will take you to more elements including daily gospel readings, devotions, poems, the weekly sermon that's around the same topic, other episodes of this podcast. By the way, if you have not done so yet, just start with this week and take off and dive into who Jesus is here and now. Until we see you next time, may God bless you.